MSU's women's golf makes it six times in 11 years, which means you're about ready to listen to 18 holes worth of golf podcasting. You're listening to Can't Read, Can't Write. Welcome me back, everyone, because I am here yet again for another episode of Can't Read, Can't Write, the podcast that proves to Wolverines Spartans can talk. I am, of course, Mike Jones, and lucky to be joined by me is my friend Kevin Greck, my co-host. Greckers, how are you? I'm lovely. Did you know? Did you notice who we're not joined by today? I did. You give did. the man a spot on the logo, and this is how he repays you. The nerve. The nerve. The audacity. Oh, oh. out refereeing semi-pro soccer. Dear listener, apparently a, a higher priority than you. I, yeah. I ju- it's just a, it's a disappointment. Are we surprised, though? Are we really surprised? I'm just glad that I'm here to give you, the dear listener, the uh, the stability that you need in your podcasting schedule. Jonesy, Plum, unreliable, but I will always be there for you. I am you, your rock. You indeed have not been, and I missed my first one in over a year. <laughs> Thank you for asking about my trip, by the way. Anyway, folks, uh, we'll get into all of it. Of course, uh, we do appreciate you listening. And if we could ask you a small favor, if you like what comes after what you just listened to, please share the pod with Spartans in your life. Give us a rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get podcasts. And of course, follow us on Twitter at Spartan underscore pod. That's again, at Spartan underscore pod. Grekers, uh, we got... 18 holes worth of coverage to get through, but what else are we going to be doing on this episode of Can't Read, Can't Write? Uh, We're going to talk spring game, of course. Uh, Then, you know, we got to get your basketball takes because everybody's on the edge of their seat wondering what you've got, what you're going to say about the Kith year and the lawyer transfers. I know. know. Then, of course, we're not going to go off Grand River because we determined uh, before the episode that we didn't have anything big enough worth talking about. So then we're going to Twitter questions. But first... I don't care, slash we did already discuss this. How is the Grand Canyon? I've only ever actually seen it from the air. So tell me, how was your experience? I want to know. In one of in one of the most majestic scenes on, on this continent, how, how was it? Uh, it was uh, stunning, breathtaking, amazing, and absolutely terrifying. Um, I think awesome in the, the sense that uh, the word actually means, yeah. um, uh, which is a derivative of awful. Uh, uh, it, but you know, it was, um, it was an incredible trip. Uh, we, um, uh, yeah, we spent most of it on something called the Tonto platform, which I won't bore anyone with, but that's like three quarters of the way down. And it's still scary as hell, uh, being next to a, a ledge. Um, so yeah, it was it was great. Um, a really impressive place that uh, I don't know. It everything there will hurt you. Uh, water does not come easy, so it it's just it was it was incredible. I don't know what to say other than that. Yeah. Uh, as I I think I told you afterwards, I would describe it as once in a lifetime, which is to say I will go once in my lifetime. <laughs> Very uh, literal. Never going back. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, interpretation of that statement. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I like the idea of it. Uh, you know, 
It sounds like a good time. Did you do any whitewater rafting on the bottom? That sounds like the best part. You should have done that. Uh, yeah. So people who who really love the Grand Canyon who have done like you know river things. Mm-hmm. I think it's really easy to love the Grand Canyon when you're at the bottom of it. Uh, it is. This was definitely not the trip for someone who uh, doesn't care for heights very much like myself. Um, but it was, I, I will also say it was a bit infuriating. So the last night we were there, we stayed on, you know, on the Colorado down at the bottom. And um, there's like a next to the National Park campground is this ranch that you can like rent a room at oh right that has ac and stuff wow um it's and the amenities yeah so well the thing is is like as a as a camper nearby you can go and get beverages from them but not beer and i just want to say the amount of money we would have paid to get a beer that had been shaken up by a mule as it walked down the grand canyon for like <laughs> that that just comfort and they won't sell it to you is insane it's a national park michael it's one of it's john Muir's greatest cathedral no that's the that's sequoia to that's um, yosemite yeah but still i think he said some things about about the grand canyon too um was it in the scottish accent yeah the cathedral Cathedral. anyway uh yeah, so it was a great trip. Thanks for asking. But uh, I don't think anyone listens to this podcast for that nonsense. Yeah, well, uh, I, I've got, I I wasn't listening either. I was thinking about a transition. If you hated those heights, you're really going to hate the women's golf team. Huh? Huh? Because they're taking themselves to new heights. All to the all new heights. Sixth Big Ten championship today in 11 years. Uh, they are on a run. And in fact, um, I think it's three of the last five or something like that too. So fantastic job to the, to the golf team. Uh, I think in the rankings they were, they went in this weekend third, um, but won the whole thing. So good for them. them. Yeah. Uh, I wish I would have been able to watch that instead on my flight home. I was stuck watching the big 10 championship in, uh, field hockey Mm. and, um, I was disappointed in Ohio State's effort, sincerely, uh, in their loss to Michigan. It was it was an absolutely terrible game. Sorry. And it was my first time watching field hockey. So great. <laughs> I was just waiting for the spring game to come on, which we will now talk about. Yes. So there we go. Uh, so you, you know, on a flight watching the spring game. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, what, what, mm-hmm. what were some things that stood out to you? So. Obviously, you had to be a football fan to sit through this spring game. This was not the D'Antonio two teams playing an actual kind of simulated game against one another type of approach. This was a football practice with some scrimmaging at the end. So, well, even Mel Tucker said that he was asked, like, so you're doing a little bit of a different format. I think in Colorado, you did a, a real game. Um you know, is this something similar to what you did at other programs? And he's like, no, <laughs> no, we so, need the practice here this year. <laughs> we need this practice. We can't effectively give up a practice uh, this time. No, it's not going to be an option for us. Maybe in the future. Yeah. So for those who don't know that the format of what we're calling the spring game was in fact a practice. And so it started with some individual work, 
Um, I think they changed things. He set up, up a little bit. Normally they would do walkthroughs for offense, defense, and special teams. Uh, but because of limited time and, and trying to fit things in with the Big Ten network, um, they, they shifted that up a bit. But then they went in from individual work to group work. And then from group work, they did a seven on seven and then a nine on nine and then eventually did some 11 on 11 work. Um, and so, yeah, you watched a practice <laughs> is what you watched. And I think what was interesting about it, though, and, and I know we're going to kind of maybe we can skip around a bit on the outline before we return to the things that people kind of really were caring about in this. Mm-hmm. But for those who don't know, Michigan state had big time recruits in attendance at this spring game. Um, some of the, you know, some top 300 players in the country were at this spring game and, you know, they, they were <laughs> for a nice drizzly East Lansing yeah. spring morning. I think you would have wished for some nicer weather, but you know, uh, but the, <laughs> I, I think a lot of this was for them, right? That sure. it, you know, they don't care about a, a, a dumb scrimmage and you're, you're not going to get the experience of, you know, a packed Spartan stadium in a spring game during COVID times. So the best thing you can do is show them what a, a practice looks like. Right. And, and maybe, you know, you add on some hype and you, you know, you obviously the cheer squad was there and in the marching band and, and that's all in 6,000 people. That's great. But a lot of this was about, showing them culturally what Michigan state is all about as far as the Mel Tucker regime. And so um, I think we'll chat a little bit about some of the names of the people in, in attendance, but I, I, the format to me seemed more for them and the fact that Michigan state just needs to get better than anything else. Well, we're on this topic. Let's do this now. So uh, Antonio Gates, Jr. Of course, son of Antonio Gates, senior uh, mm-hmm. outstanding MSU a football player was there. Um, there's a Tennessee transfer, Quaverius Crouch, which is the most Harry Potter sounding name um, <laughs> yes. of everyone on the list. Uh, uh, and he, he's for those who don't know, he was a um, an inside linebacker. I'm trying to remember is an inside linebacker for Tennessee. He's rumored to be going uh, to he's all crystal balled to Michigan State, but I'm trying to remember what his. Yeah, his uh, uh, he was the number three athlete in the nation in his recruiting class, number one recruit in North Carolina and 61 61st overall nationally um, at a By 90s. recruiting rankings. If he showed up on campus, he would be the highest rated recruit on campus by recruiting yeah, he, rankings he might be the highest rated recruit in Michigan state history. No, no. Drew Stanton was higher. That's right. I mean, that's also true, but <laughs> that's far from true. Like Malik McDowell was higher than oh, him. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. Um, I'm sorry. Yep. That was a dumb thing to say. What's his name for the Buccaneers is higher than him. like he would be yep, the highest right. on this current team, but he would be far from the highest. You are ever. right. You're right. Don't, I, hey, I'm rusty. I'm coming off of a, a week off. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Come on. Put some All respect right. in the name. Um, the other one, uh, the other big standout, AJ Duffy, IMG Academy's current starting quarterback was on campus. Um, so that would be that would be a nice pickup for this class if he was mm-hmm, indeed mm-hmm. the quarterback. And then there were a couple uh, committed recruits amongst others. Um, Tyrell Henry and Ashton Lepo. 
um, wide receiver and offensive tackle uh, recruits, respectively. Uh, of the other dudes that were there, anyone that you wanted to make sure we touched on? Uh, so Jaden Mangum would be the big one. Um, he is a, uh, what makes, what makes Jaden Mangum interesting is because his brother, uh, is in the transfer portal and was at a school called Colorado, um, and had committed to a coach called Mel Tucker. Um, so Jaden Mangum is a four-star, uh, prospect, prospect, he's, uh, from the state of Michigan, uh, who's the 293rd uh, ranked player nationally, 16th athlete, ninth in Michigan. Um, and I, I think it's worth mentioning his offer list um, because I know that's what you really care about. Thank you. Greg. Um, so uh, Michigan, Notre Dame, a little school called Alabama, uh, Baylor, Cincinnati, Colorado, Florida, Florida State. Illinois, Indiana, Iowa State, Kansas, Kentucky, Maryland, Miami, Minnesota, Nebraska, Oregon, Penn State, Purdue, Tennessee. Uh, I'm just trying to find the big ones. It, yeah, uh, Virginia Tech. I, it's it's not a bad list, is yeah. I guess. Man, <laughs> for uh, for the listeners that don't follow recruiting, and and bless your hearts, um, if you don't. But the class of 2022 in the state of Michigan is commonly regarded as one of the better crops yes. of football talents that the state has produced in the last several years. Um, and unfortunately state's been down for a little bit, what's that state's been kind of down for a little bit. Yeah. It's been down for like 25 years. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it's, uh, it's, it's tough, but, uh, you know, unfortunately it would have been nice if coach tuck, you know, could have gotten some recruiting momentum going before this year happened, because I'm not sure 2023 is, is, quite held the same regard i could be mistaken on that nope, but um you're not it's uh you know it, it would be nice to get some of these guys at least uh you know that the school down the road is going to get the ones that you know get a pretty good share of them um so it'd be nice to at least give them a you know a run and notre dame's got a couple of recruits in the top 10 from the state i believe too so um would be nice to get a couple of guys like like Antonio Gates Jr. like like Mangum. Um, yeah, that would be good. Uh, the only other person that's worth and again I won't belittle it uh, or belabor it. Sorry, is Dylan Tatum, um, who is a he can the pitch here at Michigan State is like, do you want to be a DB or do you want to be a running back? Like, we'll do whatever you want to do. Um, he is um, the. For, uh, former teammate of uh, Donovan Eaglin, uh, or I'm sorry, yes, no, Donovan Edwards, sorry, um, who uh, is the big time recruit that Michigan just landed. Um, it's intriguing, though, because he may not want to follow in those same footsteps. That said, he's all crystal balled uh, largely to to Michigan. So. Um, either way, I, we were talking before we got on. I think the important thing is that Mel Tucker is getting these guys on campus for the first time. That's a big deal. Um, and so, uh, you know, if we can land even one of these dudes, that's uh, that's a good start. So, indeed, indeed. So let's talk about the guys that are already in. Yes, uh, the game that actually happened. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, so let's uh, let's talk about first and foremost the quarterback battle. So, yeah. what were the things that stood out to you there? Well, um, I had uh, much less of a view of this than you did, uh, in part because of sort of my transportation situation. But um, it what was striking to me is that uh, even though both quarterbacks got reps with what we'll call the ones. And that for those who maybe don't know what we're saying, that means guys who are first on your depth chart, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um, that Peyton Thorne always started with the ones and then Russo would rotate in. Uh, that said, I, I find it a little bit hard to read too much into that because I, I don't think Michigan state was going to tip their hand about pretty much anything this entire time. So, uh, you know, if if that is genuinely the pecking order, that's a bit intriguing. Um, but what were your takeaways? I mean, I saw that one deep ball from Anthony Russo, but Peyton Thorne seemed to have some nice zip on the ball and and hit his targets well. Yeah. So, you know, I thought that on on the whole, Peyton Thorne looked better than Russo. Uh, Peyton Thorne did throw a pick. Um, actually that I think might've just like ended the spring game basically. Uh, good. Or, or at least ended that, uh, those exercises. But, um, I thought Russo looked kind of inaccurate in the, in the short passes situations, but they both dropped really good deep passes, uh, both to, to read, of course, um, who had a bit of a day for spring day. But I mean, it, it's a competition, man. And Peyton Thorne looked way better than he ever did last year. So that's really encouraging. Uh, this is this is not the same situation that the team was walking into last year when you and I were on these podcasts. Like, man, no <laughs> offense to Rocky, but if he's the dude, we're in trouble. Yeah. I I had a level of confidence coming out of this that whoever ended up getting the job in the fall was going to be uh you know a fairly you know respectable big ten quarterback um which was encouraging very encouraging so uh, that was my takeaway w- was there anything that you saw in particular of those two guys that stood out to you uh so I think the you know i i don't i'm gonna steal uh you know in front of the pod will hunter had a tweet which is Anthony Russo has some flaws in his game. The deep ball is not one of them. And while they both threw some strikes, it, I we did see last year that that a, a chunk of the, the offensive playbook for Jay Johnson is some deep balls. And um, we we knew Anthony Russo had had a high completion percentage among uh, among quarterbacks in the football sub uh, football bowl subdivision Yeah, uh, on the deep ball that pass to, to Jaden Reed. I, I mean, I'll just say like, it wasn't even completely aired out, right? Like it was, yeah, it was just, it was just sweet. <laughs> um, but you know, I, I would say that the because of uh, being able to spend a little bit more time afterwards listening to the because they made them both available for media afterwards. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was it was interesting hearing each of them talk 
and that they are very different people in their presentation. Um, and it does kind of seem like Peyton Thorne has a bit of a fire under his ass about this. Mm. And I, you know, it, by all accounts, like he's, he's working hard to make sure that he gets this job. And, and as we've talked about, if all of these transfers, if all they do is make the guys who are already here work that much harder and win those spots, then that's not a bad thing. Yeah. That's the, uh, that's the iron sharpens iron approach, right? Like, yeah. Hey, just at least if nothing else, raise the level of competition on each one of these practices. Um, Plum last week, you know, when he used to be on the podcast, uh, yeah. talked about how one of the things that he wanted to watch for in the spring game was the culture of the team. And mm-hmm. I thought this format did a great job of bringing that out. You know, you got to see the hustle, you got to see yeah. the team work together. Um, and then one thing that stood out to some of the, uh, you know, Colton Pousey, who who's covering the game, who was actually at the stadium, uh, pointed out that that Peyton Thorne, you know, after his Big Ten Network minute, uh, you know, ran over to the wide receivers huddle and you know, sort of chatted with them. So, for what it's worth, and I, I don't think that gets you the job, but it definitely looks yeah. like Peyton Thorne is serious about this uh, and means to take this job in the fall. And if he does, I'll disagree with other MSU media on this. I mean, if he does, that's a great sign for the program. I think that all you've got a guy that beats out, you know, a former starting quarterback from you know a fairly good school in Temple. You know, not not a great school, um, but you know, fine law school's fine there. Um, <laughs> uh, no, it's a it's a great indicator and a guy that you're going to be able to build the program on for the next three years. Uh, and if it's Russo, it's Russo. If it's Thorn. It's it's thorn. I'm I was encouraged by what I saw out of the quarterbacks for the most part after this. Can game. we also talk about Noah Kim? Yeah, Noah Kim uh, looked like he would get really hurt if he got tackled, but he also played really well uh, and and looks to be QB three, which has me asking some serious questions about what's Theo Tate doing. There? Yeah, I think there's going to be some scholarships that are about to open up on the quarterback roster uh, after spring brawl here. Um, yeah, I mean, it, literally, the, we've had two in the last 24 hours, of which we'll get to to uh, two people transfer out. So maybe while recording that that could literally have changed. So um, you uh, you had mentioned that the running backs in particular were uh, looking good. Yeah, I thought Kenneth Walker looked great. I, I was really impressed with what he put together uh, from what we saw there. And Eli Collins looked to be in previous year form. So I know that Harold Joyner's not on campus yet, and there's some expectations that he's going to make contributions as well. Connor Hayward got some looks. Um, but uh, having those two guys available makes me feel pretty confident about the running back core as well. And Kenneth Walker is is a dude. Man, he's yeah. uh he's he's that's a thick young man. Um <laughs> so he's been doing his uh his workouts, but I, I I mean the the offensive skill positions I thought looked pretty good 
in this game. And we don't know who the starting wide, uh, the starting quarterback was going to be. We didn't get to see all the wide receivers. Well, it sounds like, first of all, we're kind of of the opinion that the quarterback play, no matter who it is, is improved. Yes. And so, you know, you kind of have to, in some ways, I, I worry about feeling the same way we did about the offense coming into this past season which is to say that we were like, man, we got Jaden Reed. We got Jalen Naylor. Like the O-line should be okay. We have Elijah Collins coming back who put nearly a thousand yards up. And man, the offense, even borderline competent quarterback play Hmm. will make us look really good. Well, are we doing the same thing right now? (laughs) It's possible. Here's the one thing I'll say here. We are going to be taking a big step back in the quarterback hair department. You know, God bless. (laughs) Rocky. That's that's fair. That's fair. But uh so far so good. The the lines were very difficult to judge because basically no one played in the spring game from the, from the offensive line. I think it was pointed out by Denardo on the broadcast a couple of times of like, oh, if this were live football, that would have been a sack. Uh which there was a there's a bit of a I'd be interested to see what people think about the the Donardo Lisa Byington uh broadcast combo. There was I was happy to see Lisa there. Oh Donardo, I, yeah. I was like pass. I, I like Lisa Byington. Uh but there was a there was a there was a little heat. I don't know how much of it was joking between those two. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh that was the that was the offensive side of the ball to me. Um on the I, defensive anything else you wanted to add about yeah, that? One very quick thing is that Coach Piegler, William Piegler, who uh is the running backs coach, did say that one of the things, you know, we were talking about the O-line and and sort of hyping ourselves up again, that one of the places that he, he felt the running back room uh, had made the most progress was in pass protection. And that a lot of it was buy-in with the guys that like most NFL teams don't run with a three-down back. Like anyone who plays fantasy football will know that the three down back is there's like a handful of those dudes and that the the other pieces that if so, if you're going to stick in the league, you need to pass protect. And so that has been a huge point of emphasis and something that they were not good at last year at all. So that should be an area of improvement as well. I don't know how much we got to see of that in the in the, the spring game, but like it should be better than what it was. So that's my only other comment on the offensive side of the ball. But uh, defense? Defensive line looked good. As we mentioned, they made some plays uh, that uh, were called that on the broadcast as being potential sacks. They and should then, be good, right? Like, Yeah, yeah I mean, there's... I nearly mean, there's, everyone back plus J- Drew Jordan. Right. And without, but without Naquan Jones. Um, yeah, I said nearly. So it's... I think that's a a place that you can get excited about. We didn't get to see anything from the defensive secondary because as we've talked about all the dudes from last year transferred and all the guys that Tuck's bringing in off the portal aren't there yet. So whatever you think you saw from the defensive secondary, that's part of why I'm not talking too much about the wide receivers, because I think like it's just impossible to know what's going on there. I would have, I would have been concerned if the wide receivers couldn't do anything against uh, the secondary that was out there. Um, And the linebacking core is also a little sus. So yes, it's, I I don't know what to do there. Uh, I don't know what to make 
of anything on the defensive side of the board except for the D-line, I don't think we're going to know until, you know, that Northwestern game in the fall, basically. Yeah, and it it sounds like, you know, the Tank Brown, who is the Minnesota transfer, may end up being more of a sort of pass rushing specialist, kind of doing a little bit of D-end linebacking. Um, You know, we obviously have Ma Nateate coming in, um, which, you know, based on ranking, may be good enough to just make it uh, onto the playing field. But Chase Klein wasn't, I believe, didn't play. yeah, I don't think Un- so. for unknown reasons. So that left pretty much Noah Harvey as this is the only person who had snaps at linebacker last year. Friend of the pod. Um, <laughs> so, sort of, son of friend of the pod. Yeah, son of friend of the pod. Um, and you know who who's a dude that Scotty Hazelton called out as as you know sort of being forced into a more of a leadership role. Um, and you know, talk about the sort of iron sharpens iron approach. He listening to him talk, not Scotty, but Noah Harvey seems like a guy who really has bought into that philosophy, like does not care about who's coming in. It's only going to make everybody better. Um, And would you say that's a big culture change from where we came from, Uh, from the last last coaching system? In in what way? Elaborate. It, It didn't. It felt more like uh, those last few years there, it was sort of like, all right, who's graduating? Who's next man up? Versus you're fighting for your job every day. I think we kind of talked about this a couple of weeks ago that, you know, freshmen did get some starting time, but it kind of felt like maybe on the defensive end, there was a bit more of that cycling through. There definitely seemed to be, if in doubt, defer to the guys that have been in the program longest and know the playbook and are more reliable. Uh Quite similar to the basketball season that we just saw. Yeah. Uh, except a lower ceiling if it gives you a higher floor is kind of what sure. we, we seem to be. Unless it was with number two. <laughs> In which case. Just... Oh. All right. Uh, anything else you want to say about the defense? No. I, I okay. think the defense was much harder to judge outside of the line. I don't know really yeah. what we're going to get there. Uh, what I saw was, you know, we have given uh, Mel Tucker credit for having an approach to this game, and it definitely seems like that is being put into action. You know, he is being methodical in his approach to uh, practice. He's being methodical in his approach to bringing guys into the program. He's being methodical you know, he has a plan and he is looking to execute it. And right. I, uh, I you would can say the plan failed, right? You can say the plan failed if it, if it ends up being that way, but you can't say that he didn't have a vision and execute on that yeah. vision, which, so it, I mean, that counts, that counts I've for a lot. On, I've been on enough teams, uh, to know that, you know, not just sports teams, but like, work team work yeah like there's something to be said for that you know even if it's not a perfect plan having it executing it i mean that'll get you there you know that'll get you a pretty good distance in these types of things but we'll see if it uh translates into wins ultimately so i i'll just say before we move to transfers here for a second 
you know, it was interesting. I think it was Russo who was talking about, I think this may have happened twice, actually, both in his most recent media availability and then that like uh, video they put out on transfers Mm -hmm. about goals. And don't scoff, because I know your instinct is to be a cynical asshole. But the notion that there is no reason that today we should we should believe anything other than we are competing to be in the college football playoff is like it, that that it's unacceptable to believe that you're doing anything other than that why not there's only been two big 10 teams in the college football playoff and he's playing for one of them why not i mean but so i i think you know you can get wrapped up into this this th- this sort of cynicism about like coach speak mhm and that criticism is oftentimes fair and Mel Tucker more than a lot of people I think has his isms and will sort of stick to the mantras, but isn't there also something to the, to, to leadership in that, you know, we just talked about a vision and executing on the vision and that, you know, sometimes isms are, are part of getting people focused in. Right. And I tend to believe that Mel Tucker is both a realist and a I'm not, there's no reason to walk out today and pretend like I'm doing anything other than trying to win a national championship. Sure. And I think if, if he's got buy-in below on that, that's important. You know, even Drew Jordan coming from Duke was saying that a a reason he wants to be here is because he's going to be able to be part of getting Michigan state back that like that. This is, this is a, a really important year. And I just, I, you know, that coming from transfers, I think was intriguing to me as I guess all I will say. Yeah. I mean, what I saw from the team on Saturday and from coach Tuck is that this is a guy that I trust with a six year contract, you know, mm-hmm. like yes. I'm not saying thank you. Yes. That- I'm not saying that it's going to work out that he's going to be just as successful as D'Antonio. What I am saying is this isn't a disaster right now. Things are trending in the right direction and he has a process and he's executing on that process, which is just about all I could ask of the guy uh, under these circumstances. Donardo, I believe said on the broadcast that he can't think of a worse circumstance. Yes to pick up a team. And we've talked about this. I mean, but it was nice to hear that validation elsewhere. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not, you know, it's not something that should be, you should just like look past that, you know, just like, Oh, MSU lost in, you know, Greg Shiano last year. Yeah, they did. But Shiano had the fall or he he had the, yeah. The winner to, to, to raid the transfer portal. Mm -hmm. So like, where Tuck's at right now is kind of just getting to have his team for the first time, even though it's year two. So, yeah. Um, and he certainly has, uh, is a big fan of the movie, the purge. Um, but he like, I mean, he is, he is. Uh, so we're, we're going to about to talk about the portal, which I think is intriguing because in the pre spring game scrimmage press conference that he had, he made a point of saying, at, unsolicited, 
that we in future years will not be as active in the portal. Hmm. We will continue to, you know, supplement where we need to, you know, if we got to go find a guy, we'll, we're not going to hesitate to do that. Cause he said in the past, right. That like there, there are dudes we want to recruit. And if we don't get them, we don't get them. And, you know, we'll go to the portal and we'll find it there, but that we're not going to take a recruit. We, that it was like our eighth choice just to recruit someone at that position. Mm-hmm. But I did think it was interesting that un, unsolicited, he acknowledged the insane amount of transfers that Michigan state is utilizing right now. And that that is not going to be a, a mechanism of their program going forward. Yeah. I mean, it's a concern. You, <laughs> I think we sure. have a Twitter question on this, but like, it's not sustainable. The amount no. of transfers, if you want to have something resembling a quote unquote culture, which every coach does, it's imperative that you develop the bulk of the talent on the football field. Yep. And, you know, if you don't, you end up, you know, Minnesota basketball type situation <laughs> where the whole is less than the sum of the parts and the coach manages to keep his job longer than he should have. But <laughs> everyone kind of starts wondering why at a certain point. <laughs> Well, we we could answer that question for Mel Tucker if it came to that point, because that buyout is crazy. But uh, so in the last 24 hours, right, um, we've had two members of what I think is interesting is of the 2020 class transfer out. Um, We don't know anything about these dudes, right? Like Justin Stevens from the offensive line. I mean, like in terms of production on the field. Um, oh, because they didn't. I mean, right. a, f- a freshman on the offensive line is not going to play. Re- I mean, how how often does a true freshman on the offensive line actually play? It's well, very rare. N- not to disparage him for this, but especially when that true freshman opts out of the season due to COVID. So yes. he. Do you think it's because he's Canadian? What are you trying to say? He got here and he was like, whoa, whoa. Whoa, you guys are bouncing football thing. Why why are the wide receivers running? What's going on? I think he was like, uh, I thought we took pandemic seriously. You know, that's what we do where Mm. I'm from. Mm. Um, Anyway, also Jack Olson, kicker, also someone who would not play normally, but Matty Coglin did come back for a sixth year. Didn't Jack Olson, wasn't he like number one kicker or something like that? Number two. Yeah. I mean, he was a very highly touted recruit, though. I believe Mel Tucker picked. I think we've talked about some kickers that he's picked up in the last little bit. So maybe he didn't want Jack for some reason. I don't know. It seems like every program gets the number one kicker every year. Like, (laughs) well, I think there's like three or four different rating services. So if you cherry pick well enough, if you've got a good enough kicker, you can find a good ranking for them. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, what do you make of this losing to 2020 guys? I don't know how to evaluate it because we don't know anything about either of these two dudes in terms of things that they've produced on the field. So sure. Fair I'm, enough. I don't know. I, it, this is not the same thing to me as, you know, starters transferring or the defensive secondary transferring entirely basically on mass as we saw at the end of the season last year. Um, well, the good ones stayed. Mm-hmm. 
So anyway, oh, did you see Angelo Gross was playing uh, safety? I didn't know if that was just because of the scrimmage or what. <laughs> I, I think it was like, hey, we need someone halfway decent at safety. But Kendall Brooks was also there, and he was playing nickel, I think. And he's probably a safety. What do they say the new approach to recruiting safeties is? Like, just recruit corners and turn some of them into safeties, basically? Um, yeah, I mean, if, they're, if their body's big enough, yeah. Yeah, I think maybe that's maybe that's the approach. Just cross-training everyone? Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, anyway, sidetracked. Uh, let's let's talk happy transfers. So happy trails to Jack Olson and Justin Stevens. May you land somewhere that makes you happy. Good day. Uh, I don't. One's Canadian and one is American. Take off. All right. Uh, but speaking of taking off, Malik Carr is taken off from Purdue. Yeah. Uh, this is. This is a big one because this is the second t- top-rated recruit from another Big Ten school that Mel Tucker is snatching away. Yeah. And what I love about Malik Carr, for those who don't know, is that the story broke that he was in the transfer portal at the exact same time that it also broke that he was going to Michigan State. And he pretty much told coaches, don't contact me. But so, then he also told coaches explicitly, you can contact me, which which Twitter then took to mean like, oh, maybe this isn't a done deal. And then it turned out to be a done deal. Uh, oh, I think I think he was told to probably say that because there started to be some suspicion that uh, that there was some was, foul play going yeah, on with I- Coach illegal, Chuck. Yeah, illegally recruited or something, which that would be a weird, weird way to. Like you're snatching a guy who appeared in three games and had one catch, and we're like, I'm gonna steal this guy. No, He's the man mine. he was Malik was just talking to his uncle, just talking to Uncle uh, Dwayne Stevens. And yeah. uh, <laughs> so tell the tell tell the people about Malik. Uh, well, okay, so from Michigan, played at Oak Park uh, last year, like you mentioned, appeared in three games, had one catch, I think, for like 15 yards or something like that. Had offers from just about everybody out of high school. So as you mentioned, Purdue's top recruit from last year. The rumor mill is that when he was coming out of high school, he wanted badly to be a wide receiver, and apparently he wanted to play basketball. And now it's starting to look like at Purdue, neither of those things were going to happen for him. Uh, Although maybe he's open to being a tight end now. He's 6'5", 235. So he fits the new athletic profile that Mel Tucker is requiring for Michigan state football. Um, but we'll see where he ends up because there have been a lot of transfer in wide receivers. And we also have, you know, some pretty good productive wide receivers on scholarship already. Whereas tight end, it was said old today. <laughs> it was said that a what like a walk on converted punter was leading the tight end room. So, uh, yeah, I think there's some work that might be able to be done there, and maybe Malik has decided it's worth giving it a shot, and he is Lansing, and uh, maybe he thinks he's going to play in the basketball team. But my cynical heart says that that's not going to happen. Who so, who's his uncle? Uh, Dwayne Stevens. What does Dwayne do? Dwayne does a does a basketball. Does, for for he, for where he is now, associate head coach with no one else behind him. Uh, Dwayne Stevens. 
at Michigan State University. Yes. Uh, so for whatever it's worth, in high school, uh, Malik Carr was running a sub 4740 yard dash, which for a tight end is very good. Uh, I think between Malik Carr, Keon Coleman, and um, we just talked about him two weeks ago. Uh, the the wide receiver transfer that we we go back and listen, folks. Yeah, it doesn't uh, matter. He's not going to play. Um, no, but uh, the, he's also a big body dude that we have now. Keon at least, Coleman. No, not Keon Coleman. Uh, there's a transfer we picked up. Um, we talked about two weeks ago. Whatever. He's not playing. It doesn't matter. Anyway, we now have some big body threats, which this team had some red zone problems. Um this past year. So getting some bigger body wide receivers would not be the end of the world, right? No. So, I mean, that's great. Great analysis. Thanks for. No, it would be good. (laughs) Even better. Uh, (laughs) All right. Uh, Speaking of basketball though, let's say Christian Fitzpatrick, Christian Fitzpatrick. Okay. Beautiful. He's not playing either on the basketball team. Uh, All right. He's not a basketball team guy. He's talking about end zone threats. Okay. I'm not following you anymore. I'm not paying attention because I am so distracted. I want to know what your takes are on the basketball transfer situation. The, the perceived, Clarkson guys are out, even though Kithier never played at Clarkson. <laughs> he just wasn't eligible while he was there. But Kithier and Lawyer are out. There are two open scholarships. What What do you think? What What was your reaction to all of this? I mean, it, first, it's now we have a glut of scholarship spots that I don't know that we're going to fill. It's a little bit concerning when you look at what's available in the portal. Although the portal is going to be open through July. So there's still time potentially, but as we were talking about it, these were kind of late transfers. I was surprised it took as long as it did. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not worried that I didn't expect there to be better talent at either of the spots that, that Foster and, and Tom Skithier left than what we've already got or got in. Right. So um, we're not getting in another point guard out of the portal. Right. So Foster leaving doesn't really hurt. And Kithier is a four who can't shoot or a five who doesn't have great moves at the rim. Right. Like, so I wish I wish him well, but we kind of started to dial in on a center at the end of the year. Mm hmm. So now you just have an extra scholarship spot, which you have to ask, what would you do with that? And a big, I think a big is the answer. Based upon the way Marcus Bingham was playing, but Bingham has never played more than like six minutes. So I think it has to be a big, I think you've got to go find a big somewhere that can contribute at a big 10 level. I think that's, I think that's kind of hard to do. At that at that position of all positions, I think that's the one that's the hardest. It's a concern, then. Uh, yeah, I, that's fair. I mean, so who who else do we have at the five? We've got Bingham, we've got um, Sissoko, and 
Marvel. Yeah. All right. Okay. I mean, like, I, I think with enough with enough time and energy, you can probably convert. Uh, if you get Marvel's defense up, I think that's a, a fine one too. Right. Yeah. No? Uh, if you like uh, Sissoko as a uh, as a prospect, good news. You're going to be seeing a pretty good amount of him. Um, yeah. He's going to be a big part of the rotation next year. So. Or, or you need to have a big as part of the 2022 class, which they had and then lost. So, I mean, it, either way, you're keeping one of those scholarships open, right? You have to. I hate it. I'd love to be able to take just like a guy to fill that role. Um, you know, some kind of grad transfer somewhere. But I do fear that that will end up just being an open scholarship. For Amani, Of course. It just, that's, that's Amani's spot on the bench. Uh, anything else you wanted to talk about with basketball? No, that's fine. Um, so uh, let's do a couple quick ad reads and then we'll get to Twitter questions. Are we going to do them back to back? We are going to do some back to back. No, ad reads. we can't do that. We're going to do a few Twitter questions and then we're going to do preserved homemade. All right. Um, fair enough. But first, a word from Brandon Sands, um, who was supposed to send some fresh ad copy and we have not gotten yet. But we're going to ad lib it just for you him. can't shame our sponsor live on the air. No, no, no. It's because he's so busy closing loans. That's he hasn't had a chance to send it over. That's and why, folks, that's why you're the host of the podcast. That it's that kind of quick thinking. That's <laughs> folks, mortgage rates are insanely low. And so what's happening right now is you got insanely low rates, which means people are buying houses all over the place. You have boomers who like to use their cash to also buy houses. And so what Brandon Sands, our dear friend who works for Guaranteed Rate and has closed over 10,000 loans, wants to let you know is that if you are not pre-approved and you see the house that you really want, you are in deep doo-doo. So uh, if you are thinking about buying a home, you're casually looking, or of course, if you're in the place where you're looking to refinance because rates are so low, you know, if you're paying more than 4%, you got to talk to Brandon. But if you're in that space where you're thinking about buying a house, it is time to reach out to Brandon Sands and talk to him about getting pre-approved for a loan. Uh, that pre-approval lets you get, Greg, you bought a house. You explain pre-approval for those of us, not me. Other people who don't fully understand pre-approval. You you, uh, you give them your documents and they say, all right, th- this is how much house you can buy. And then that number will be alarming to you. And you'll think, what? I can buy that much house? And they'll say, this isn't, you know, the great recession again. You know, th- this is legit. You can have this much house. And then you'll say to yourself, do other people get this much house with this much income? And they'll say, yes. And you'll say, we're doomed. <laughs> That's the plug we wanted. Uh, but in all seriousness, I, you know, we have friends who, who are going through the home buying process right now. It is an insane market where a lot of bids are coming in on very limited inventory. So if you are not a pre-approved purchaser, it's going to be a lot of trouble to actually close on that home or, or be taken seriously. So talk to Brandon now. You can find him at rate.com backslash Brandon Sands. That's rate.com backslash Brandon with an E, Sands with a Z, rate.com backslash Brandon Sands. Hey, Goofus. Yeah? 
reach out. Brandon Sands. Yeah. Brandon with an E. Sands with a Z. Right.com. Don't be a goofus. You goofus. All right, Greckers, what time is it? Oh, it's Twitter time. And it starts with Tech Jansen, of course, as it always does. <laughs> Who asked a question that we already kind of started on? Uh, so let's finish it. Let's close the loop here with our guy Tech. Uh, transfer portal, good thing or bad thing? How would you adjust the current transfer portal rules? So I genuinely believe it's a good thing. Uh, I think it maybe was Matt Painter who had a, a tweak to the, to the transfer portal rules that sounded intriguing to me, which is that, uh, you can, you can get your transfer and, and play, have immediate eligibility one time, right? Mm-hmm. But that does not extend to freshmen. Hmm. So, so you've got to spend two years in a program, and then you can, or or you take a red shirt. Like you can transfer out as a freshman. You just have to take a red shirt. Okay. So, I mean, I think there's some uh, academic reasons that may make sense, and you could apply for a waiver. Obviously, like the waiver rules shouldn't change. That you know, if there's your coach is a racist, which is a real thing that has happened and you want to get out. Great. Um, you know, maybe you have family reasons that you need to be closer to home and you do transfer to a school that's closer to home. Great. Right. Like there should still be exceptions to that rule, but that generally speaking that, uh, if you commit to a program and you begin coursework there, like it, it would be a bit disruptive to start uh, maybe having gen ed shaved off of your, your transfer situation. Yeah. Um, so academically there are, there are compelling reasons. And then also like, let's not be naive about what freshmen are, or what, what high school players are sold and what they actually get when they arrive at a school. Um, and those are wildly different things. So maybe it's not the end of the world that, that kids, uh, just make sure you really hate it here first. Yeah, the, I I think more than most people my age, I I do give some credence to the whole argument of like the grass is greener and these mm-hmm. outcomes won't always be better for these guys. There was that research that I believe we mentioned last week that at least athletically in terms of playtime, outcomes do tend to work out better for for guys that transfer, I'd like to see that same research for uh, academics as well. But certainly, it's doesn't diff- it also doesn't it, that also research assume that you found a spot though? It does, yeah. Because there are more dudes in the transfer portal right now than there are spots. I also haven't read this paper, so like you know, there's an expectations that as you get older, you'd probably just get more play time as a result of being you know, more experienced and more physically mature. So I don't know if it's controlled for that. Um, But uh, I, I do still have academic at least concerns with the transfer portal because I like to continue to live in a fantasy world where these are actually student athletes and uh, they, you know, their, their academic concerns are, uh, you know, do remain valid. Um, I think the thing is, though, you've got to try it first. Like, you have to see how it works because, you know, 
the truth of the matter is these guys were they're artificially stuck in these systems that limit their options and it it is not fair so i think you've got to let the pendulum swing the other way and then maybe we start to bring it back a little bit maybe it's a rule like painter potentially put forward maybe it's something else or maybe oh, yeah. I, the transfer I'm fine with, just works yeah. great for everyone i'm fine with swinging it all the way the opposite direction i mean that would provide parity with almost every other sport that's ncaa sanctioned right it's what three that require you to sit out a year that sounds right this would be maybe four yeah so the ones that make know, money <laughs> yeah which is stupid uh it's it's hard not to say hey this feels like uh labor in a lot of ways um so yeah i mean i'm i'm completely comfortable with the notion of swinging it all the way the opposite direction to provide parity i guess i would just say if we're going to provide uniformity across the board i could see a compelling argument that as a freshman why don't you give it two years um or a second year rather but uh great question tech jensen and a second one also noticing tech jensen is either a brit or a canadian uh Asking, when we all freaked out that Nike redid the logo when they changed the color, font, etc., was it that really that big of a deal? MSU has had a new has had numerous Spartans, and was it that bad of a logo? Uh, with an ex- it, this provides a the Twitter question provides an example of the old um, Spartan helm, current, which, it, current and old. The true. Explain. I'm looking. It's the actual Spartan helm versus the one that Nike put together, apparently, for that rebranding rebranding process. And the answer is yes. I mean, the answer was it was a big deal. I think personally, and I could be biased here entirely, I think the Spartan helm is one of the iconic college sports icons. And I think it was underutilized with the Spartan S uh taking up way too much space i'm glad that we basically have deprecated the spartan s and fully embraced the spartan helm um i was in school while that process was happening and as far as i was concerned it couldn't accelerate fast enough i think the s is boring i know msu was the first one to do the s i know everyone else is only pretenders nobody cares about that though no one else knows that history and I also know that the Spartan helm is not under trademark and that any high school can use it, but not that many do. So who cares? I think it's iconic. I think it's way better than the one that Nike came up with. And I'm glad that it's what most people see now. As I'm looking at this, the one on the right is the Nike one. Yeah. Oh, oh God, that's gross. Yes. No, the one. On, yes. The original is, is best. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for the clarification. I do kind of, I don't mind the, like the nose piece on the Nike one. It's hard to have this conversation over podcasts, by the way. Um, So maybe there was something that could be done there, but the plume and, you know, the, the general portions of it are just way better with the one that we have. I think. Sure. Continue. I agree. Um, All right. Next up from John Hubbard. Do you have a favorite Mandela effect? For example, Jif peanut butter, not Jiffy. 
The Monopoly Man does not, in fact, have a monocle, etc. <laughs> what? John. So are you, uh, <laughs> what's something you believe to be true that uh, is a false memory? Uh, okay. Uh, so, okay, Mandela Effect, our paranormal... Okay. Uh, I don't... I don't know. Do you have one of these? Um, I did just lose a bet with overwhelming confidence that um, Fergie was the <laughs> was the artist who did milkshakes. Oh yeah, uh, no, Kellis, bro, yeah, get well, out of here. If, if you were on the trail with me, I would be fifty bucks richer right now. Um, so <laughs> is yeah. Kelly, I, I still would have oh, taken that fifty bucks from you. You think I'm going to be on your side in this? Well, the problem the problem is, is that damn uh, the, 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 the bet I I took was I was so confident that it was Fergie. I let the other person have the field of all recording artists ever. Louis Armstrong could have been the actual recording artist of Milkshakes, and I would have been a loser. So, uh, anyway. Yeah, John, that's the best I got for you. I don't think that's a Mandela effect. I think it's just me being stupid. Uh, next up from John. On a scale of kicking his toe in the dirt to, silent, uh, to silently gripping a glass until it shatters in his hand, how let down do you think the upper deck jerk guy is that Jonesy came back before he had a shot on the show? Ooh. Ooh. I mean, you know how many DMs we ignored from the upper deck jerk guy this week? I believe it. I believe it. Uh, the The real sad thing, and I think what gets Upper Deck Jerk Guy the most in this whole thing, is that, I mean, if you can't beat Jonesy, like truly, who can you beat? Like, honestly. Oh, oh, wow. Like, wow, honestly. Wow, wow. If, if not now, when? Right? Upper Deck Jerk Guy? That's the worst part in this whole thing. I uh, take all the nice things I said earlier about how you guys did. I had to stop <laughs> listening after 10 minutes because I couldn't bear the sound of your voice anymore. <laughs> Next up from Raymond Chains. Couldn't you couldn't listen more than 10 minutes because you were so sad. Uh Raymond Chains asked Jonesy. I was surprised you could last more than 10 minutes, honestly. Uh, uh, hour 20. Thank you very much. Uh, All right. Can we lock the competing quarterbacks for a few weeks into a hole with just enough space and very little dry jerky and water? I feel like Raymond is somehow trying to be inspired by the trip I just took. Uh, Do you think it would have produced better quarterbacks? This, this trip down uh, to the bottom of uh, the Grand Canyon. Wasn't, wasn't there something about Brian Lewerke and Rocky Lombardi being sent to like some seal training together? Uh, Like under the, obviously under Mark D'Antonio. That sounds like something that would happen. Do you remember when, uh, during one of the bowl practices, some person put on a Tony Lippet jersey and jumped on an alligator, and then that person got bit by the alligator. And, no. and the team was like, "Oh my god, that alligator is is eating Tony Lippet!" And then people had to be like, "No, that's just some dude. This was all a joke. It's gone horribly wrong. <laughs> Tony Lippet is fine." Was this person associated with the team in some way? No, it was like a alligator wrangler in Florida, and it was all Mark D'Antonio's zany idea. Oh it, no! It's the basis of one of the episodes of uh, of you know the D'Antonio show. 
uh speaking of raymond chains here uh wait so mark d'antonio had his own version of brian kelly with a scissor lift what no oh my I god mean, he, he got you a wrangler monster. he got a wrangler bitten by an alligator didn't he yeah but that was a professional person for the alligator all right anyway uh not a, not a graduate student that died oh and just Oh, poor taste, Michael Jones. Poor taste. This is why we didn't have you on last week. So so answer this question. Dry jerky and water. It's very little. All jerky's dried. But uh, uh, no, I don't think we need to. I think we need them to keep throwing the ball and see who does that better, I I think is the answer. Um, I did like, (laughs) by the way, Anthony Russo was was asked about if he's a runner and he's like, no, my scholarship isn't paid for me to run the ball. (laughs) Like we have other people for that. It's for me to throw it. Uh, Anyway, next up Raymond chains. Thank Uh, you. (laughs) Go ahead. Read this one. (laughs) Thank you for the, not for us. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you for the minute of hate, sir. But why have you underemphasized being a division one athlete and professional soccer referee? That's actually interesting, and you could exploit it on a number of platforms. Well, uh, I don't know but, where you got the impression, Raymond, that that Plum was a Division One athlete. Because he was not. I can assure you, Plum was not a Division One athlete. Unless being an RA is a Division One athlete job. <laughs> hey, no partying in the dorm room. Yeah. Um, he he's he does get paid to referee soccer soccer as most people who referee things do right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so at varying levels um yes, his are actually mildly impressive i remember being at a couple parties in college with plum where he had to get pulled away to go do ra things <laughs> it was like it was just like oh my fraud. god like, is this worth it? This whole <laughs> thing is just what all I could think in those moments. And of course, now uh, being out of college, it is definitely worth it. Uh, but then at the time, it was like, yeah, but you're missing these keg stands. Uh, next up from Raymond uh, Jonesy, could you start off an episode with uh, chanting? No. You're just going to throw our guy Raymond Chains under the bus like that? Like, give it some thought, at least, man. Get some chanting transfer in here for our portal, guy, Raymond Chase. Transfer portal. Transfer portal. Yeah. Okay. We uh, can do a go green, go white. Yeah, no? we could do something like that. Uh, ask me this next question. This one's a this one's a local question. Uh, actually, I think this one's made for me. Um, do you realize how impossible it is to get Big B's right now without a car? Um, Greg, what is Big B's? Big I've never B- heard of this location. Big B's Cafes. It's like Myers, but it's Big B's. Um, and yes, they are Where all is it located? shut down throughout throughout God's country, throughout the Great Lakes State, Michael. I've never and, heard of this and Big the B. surrounding areas. You're being pedantic. I don't care for your attitude on this podcast. I'm going to be honest with you right now. We play along. All right. These are our friends on the Twitter questions. Has Big B been known by another name? Listen, man. <laughs> they made the right call on that. 
Do you think that ever would have happened if it wasn't for Carlos Mencia, though? Can we just... Which, all the more reason that they did not, in fact, make the right call. That Carlos Mencia single-handedly turned that into a larger racial slur than, like, anyone would have given it credit for. And it's gone away, too. Like... Did he invent that racial slur or is he just like, did he pick the eighth one and he was like, I, be, I bet I can make this number two. I bet I can elevate this. I mean, I don't, I don't traffic in racial slurs, but like that, that feels so comically low on the list of like actual racial slurs that I, I can't, I can't. It is worth going to the racial slur um, Wikipedia well, page because there are some kickers out there. <laughs> There are some that you never would have thought of. And there are also words for things that never would have occurred to you. But humanity has taken the time to give these things labels and make them pejorative. Uh, Anyway, uh, it is tough, though, because Bigby is uh, shut down for everything that is not a drive-thru. So um, has that always been true or is that a a reflection of the recent surge? That is I think that has been largely the case throughout the entire pandemic. Certainly the ones that I walk past on my, on my East Lansing walks uh, have been closed in the lobby. Mm. Okay. Uh, next up right from Raymond chains this week on behind the scenes with Tom Izzo. Tom is irate after ESPN replays footage of him jabbing Walmart Wolverines with his index finger when they refuse to mask up. Or Izzo tries to persuade the NCAA to allow Power 5 schools to draft players from lesser conferences through the portal. <laughs> With saying, quote, change the rules, you goblin-footed horse chasers, or you'll be chomping milk curds in the oat barn. Getting real UP over here. Uh, <laughs> the problem with the first half of this is... Uh, Izzo, Izzo was, doesn't believe that. Izzo was not one of the better maskers out there. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, uh, the problem with the second half then is that Izzo is definitively against transferring. Yeah. Uh, I, I do. I do like these though. I like the, I, I love these like continuously more ridiculous insults that we get from these, uh, from the, these euperisms. You goblin-footed horse chasers, chomping milk curds out in the oat barn, in the mines, you know? This this is good. This is good. Uh, So what's it going to be? I'm going to go with the first half, though. Yep. For fun. I like that. I'm going to go first. Next up, up, uh, Upper Jerk Guy. So it's Thorn, right? It... I, I mean, that was kind of uh, in spite of the interception. I kind of walked away on Saturday, giving him the edge. What about you? What did you see on that airplane to flight? Uh, not enough to come up with a conclusion. I will say that from a personality standpoint, I'd rather play for Russo. Mm. Thorne just needs to relax. It's very clear he had a coach for a dad. Let's just say that. It's very clear. It's all business. But it's just a game, Peyton. It's a game. There's Uh, nothing about it that seems fun to him. He doesn't seem like he's having fun. Well, he'll Uh, find that over time. He's got to get the job first, and then he can have fun with it. Next up from the Upper Deck Jerk Guy. 
Uh, Jonesy, what do you think about Gabe Brown's play in the spring game? Uh, Gabe did have some tweet that got a lot of interactions lately, but uh, I I assure you that whatever Gabe did or did not do, it's better than what Draymond did. So there's that. I do. Uh, those were the days when like the football uniforms were not great. They had like the yoke shoulders. I did not mm-hmm. like the yoke shoulders every year around the spring game. Those old clips of Draymond playing uh, pop back up again. And every year I'm reminded I did How not ugly. care for yeah. those uniforms uh, at that time. I love the white on whites though. The white on yes. whites with the white helmet and the green oh, stripe. Yeah. It's a, it's a clean look. And I'm happy that it's part of the repertoire now. Uh, we didn't even talk about the uh, the the helmet edition and how cool that is. The script the, state is that what you're saying? No, 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 no. The the what they wear on top of their helmets uh, during practice. Yeah. To to do contact, uh, not tracing, but tracking rather, yeah. like for for head to head collisions or or how much collision rather to the head. Yeah. The players are getting that's a that's a rad piece of technology. Yeah. That's great. I'm glad that we're doing those types of things. I'm glad that MSU is making those investments. Investments, Yeah, for sure. Um, Next up from the Epidemic Jerk Guy. How about doing host rankings, which is an allusion to the fact that next week, power rankings do kick off. I I don't think it's necessary. Epidemic Jerk Guy, I think we know. I think think we know. When Nick Kamansky does come back, he's been handling it. You guys can hop into his DMs. You guys can collaborate. Uh, There's only up, one chap on this pod, and we know who it is. My uh, ass I don't have one of the these. Grand Canyon. Uh, how about this for you? From CTNTC, Jonesy, favorite wrestler of all time? Rocky Lombardi, obviously. <laughs> Wrestled in Iowa, did you not hear? <laughs> uh, did you watch wrestling growing up? For a bit, yeah. Um, but I, I didn't stick with me and I know it's, it's sort of come back in vogue and, and it, it's not with me. I did live in Stanford, Connecticut for a while, which is where WWE is located. Mm. Um, Interesting. You, you drive by it on the, on the, the freeway and there's like a giant building with a giant WWE uh, flag. But I, I mean, when I watched wrestling, Goldberg was like the really popular one. So that's gives you a sense of how old it was. The WCW era. was a thing. I like the D-Generation X. That was fun. Um, I wasn't allowed to watch that. When I uh, when I was a child, I didn't know wrestling existed. And then there was one kid in the neighborhood that was really into wrestling. And he was also the smelly kid. And that <laughs> association has really sealed the deal for you yeah it it really put uh limitations on how much i might one day become a wrestling fan um although we in college did live that's right with a man that uh that you know paid his tuition this is a gross exaggeration doing backyard wrestling and wrestling shows around the state. We did the math on what that cost him to do. Listen, he (laughs) is not important for the audience. (laughs) Okay. What's important is that he was on, what was that MTV two show that he was on? Lucha Libre. Is that what it was? Sure. I believe you, but yes, he was on MTV two. 
There was a uh, Mexican wrestling show on MTV2 called, I think it was called Lucha Libre, and it featured two MSU Spartans in roles. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, I went to a few of his shows and they were something, man. <laughs> something to behold. Going to, Ooh. yeah, going to one of those shows, like, what what was strangest to me was that there were people that like followed them around and knew the characters and knew all like they still had characters and storylines and people it was it was nuts it it was bananas uh anyway uh that that is my wrestling background uh and LK two thousand is king uh Jonesy next up from CTNTC was that his aim name too uh LK two thousand I think so yeah all right great love it okay uh, next up. Favorite animated show for you, Michael Jones? Um, so the three that come to mind are Bob's Burgers, Archer, and Big Mouth. And I don't know that you could force me to pick one of them. I I still haven't done Big Mouth, and I think it's probably a huge mistake, right? Yeah. I, I'm, I'm actually shocked you've not done Big Mouth. I know. It, it's so up my alley. And I just no, really, you were you were really Greg. Can we have an off air meeting real quick? I know. I I have been told that like this is up your alley, and you should be this watching is, this, this for me. Yeah, I lived with you. You're messing up, man. Like, I know. I know. Watch watch one episode. One episode. I've got to put it. I got to put it on the list. Um, I uh, Bob's Burgers is fantastic. I love how wholesome Bob's Burgers is. I don't know if we've had yes. this discussion. No, I agree. But it's such a great, like, wholesome family show. Um, and then original Simpsons, you know, first eight seasons or whatever. That's the stuff. Best Oreo filling flavor. Go. Uh, birthday cake. That's a flavor. Yeah, there's a there's birthday cake Oreo flavor. Yeah. Original double stuffed. Mm. Wow. Uh, next up. For- ZJ. Is how I'm choosing to pronounce this. Uh, what's your least favorite movie you've seen more than once? Ooh, this so is a great question. Yeah, this is a what have you been forced to sit through again type of scenario. This it seems like this would have happened in you know years ago, and this would have happened for a girl probably, <laughs> right? I'm trying to think of ways that I'm not like taking a snipe at my family for some reason. He definitely listens to the podcast. Oh, yeah. I could go all the way back and I could just be like, oh, my God, my sister picks this dumb movie that I just don't want to watch again. Like, mm-hmm. oh, we have to watch Beethoven's second for the thousandth time. Mm-hmm. Why are yep. we watching Beethoven's second for the thousandth time? Very serious. Uh, you got one, though? I'm Right now, I've got Beethoven's second. Un- unless otherwise specified. Um, <laughs> uh, so I recently rewatched the MCU. And what is it? Is it Dark World? That's Thor 2. Pretty, pretty bad. Thor 2, the Dark World. I mean, like, I'm I'm sure there's a different one than that. What did you think about the end of the uh, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier? Oh, not there, not there. I, I'm out. I don't. Oh, that's know. right. Because you were. I got to get you caught up. What? You didn't like cash that thing on the iPad or something? Come on, man. I didn't pack. 
I literally didn't have a phone with me. Oh my gosh. All right. Next up, uh, though, I've been rewatching Arrested Development and it is so good. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, All right. Next up, Anthony Garvert. Last up, Anthony Garvert. If you could change one rule in football, what would it be? I feel like we had a good conversation about some of the XFL rules. That could have been incorporated. Um, Yeah. And I think for the sake of argument, we need to have Garvert's rule be specific to college football. Yes. Right. Yep. Um, well, they just changed the overtime rules. I'm guessing that's what brought this up. Uh, Wait, what did they? Ch- did I? I missed that. They the did a streamline. I I didn't add it to the off Grand river, and I also didn't look at it that that closely. My rules would be around time and accelerating these blasted games. Good God, some of these games, the primetime games are out of control. You got to do something to get more football in there. So whether it's reducing the play clock or putting some kind of formal NCAA rule, which they'll never do because this is where the money comes from around how long and how frequent the commercial breaks can be. Cause God, some of these games, they seem like they start going like five hours. And by seem, I mean like they are starting to border on five hours or longer. So yeah, that's where uh, I go. So kickoffs tend to still be, uh, and I forget what the rule was that um, the XFL did for kickoffs, but it was intriguing. Um, I would say that the the NCAA changed the rules where you could fair catch outside of the end zone, and it would still move you up to, what, the 25? Yeah, good rule. I like that But one. no one does it. <laughs> they still run the ball, and, and so you're not really avoiding any of the injury problems. Um, maybe we just stop doing kicks or maybe you find a different version of it because it's not working out. Um, otherwise, um, I would get rid of defensive old holding on the pass interference front. That might be my other one. Mm. Uh, I was recently rewatching last year's Michigan game and specifically I was watching it on the airplane. Before I had to watch the uh, NCAA women's, or I'm sorry, the Big Ten women's field hockey uh, tournament game. Uh, and I noticed that a number of times when they got torched on on the on the white by the whiteout, they got called for defensive holding, which is not the same penalty at all. And so let's just call it what it is. It's pass interference. Hmm. That's what okay. I got. All right. Anyway, last up from Garvard. Prop bet of the week. Number of 40 plus yard plays from scrimmage this upcoming season versus the number of wins over under is set at 7.5. Ooh. God, Garvard. I don't. So I was thinking about this. I don't fully understand what he's asking us to do with the verses. Yeah, it's a little but tricky. They're all, but they're always good. So what people, I, I think people don't really understand this is that 40 plus yard plays are very rare in, in college sports. I mean, you'll go several games without seeing one, um, in college football, I should say. So how many did we have last year? Not many, not many, really? uh, like three, maybe, or something like that. Did they all come in the Michigan game? Could have been. I mean, it's very possible. I don't know exactly what it is, but um fairness maryland canceled on us what twice yeah they did uh but these i i mean these numbers seem right to me 
in defensive secondary coaching rooms, stopping these types of plays are like sometimes the most emphasized thing. Just like yep. don't let them get huge chunk yardage. Don't let it happen. Um, so I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go under on this. On both. I'm going under on both. Here's the thing, Greg. Problem is that we're playing Ohio State. Ohio State's going to get like three of them just by themselves. Oh, I wasn't counting the opponent. I think I don't think that's. What oh, you meant. OK. Uh, you're saying this, this, our offense. Um, Yeah. So uh, I think Reed's good for a couple of these. I'm not sure anyone else is. Naylor's probably good for one or two. Ricky White had one or two last year. OK. I'm still going to go with the under. Uh, all right. So counterpoint, I'm going to go over. Because I have to, I can't not do over. I can't bet against Michigan state, not having all the wins, but Jade Reed got switched to number one. That means something. We know <laughs> Jalen Naylor has wheels. If you build it, they will come. Is and Kenneth saying. Walker is the real deal. And if Elijah Collins is back to form, maybe, just maybe. I I don't know. I got to believe. Got to believe. This team is going to run the ball. We're going to do pound, green, pound. And we are actually going to be able to run the ball for the first time in a long time, which means we're going to throw some deep balls. This has really got me thinking, Garv. Like, I... uh. I'd really throw the deep ball. I'd really like to go and look at like the stats, like on average, uh, you know, of division one teams, how many of these plays do they have a season winning teams? How many do they have losing teams? How many do they have? Like, I want to dig in on this now Um, because I know it's an important metric and it's not one that I know that well right off the top of my head. I think 25 yards plus are considered explosive plays. Yeah, chunk of so, plays. So, I mean, yeah, if if Garvert had set it at 25 plus, that would have been a bit more intriguing. 40 is a lot. 40 is a lot, and it also is very dependent on where you are on the field. Like, you can't have a 40 plus yard play From once the you're 39? at the employee. Yeah, at the uh, yeah at the uh, opposing team's 39 yard line. So, um, it's tough. It's tough to get these types of plays. They just don't happen very often. There's a reason you see that Edwin Baker, uh, you know, rush against Michigan so often in the highlights. And it's just those types of plays just don't happen very often. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I, I'm going over on wins under on, on 40. But if you change it to as defined explosive plays, which again, I think are 25 plus, I would take over on both. But that's not the question, Michael. I know. I'm just cha- I'm just saying over on wins. Book it eight plus right here. Can't read, can't write, says it. I speak for the entire pod. It's also interesting at the same time, though, because like <laughs> some of these plays. Anyway, all right, I- I'm going to look into this, Garbert. You piqued my interest in a big way. I'm spending time on this this week. Uh, And that's it for Twitter questions. Great episode, Michael Jones. Look at us. Great episode. Look at us. You and me. And all right, let's cut it now because we're cut.
coming in to 130. Greg, it's been a pleasure. I miss Don't you. Don't tell them they're going to be able to figure out how much we cut. <laughs> oh, shit. The, the cat's out of the bag now. We do multiple takes of the intro. <laughs> Jonesy doesn't always sound good. That's not how true. Many, you always many, sound good. You just don't always nail it. Those are different things. But I nail it every time. <laughs> what uh, you say? How many takes did you do? Just one? For the Limerick last week? Yeah. Oh, baby, we only need one take for the Limerick. <laughs> Something as expertly crafted as that? Come did on. Did Plum write that? No, I wrote it. It came to me in the shower, actually. <laughs> now we're really lifting back the curtain. <laughs> I uh, I came up with that limerick last week in the shower, and then all of you got to listen to it. I, really, I hope that really makes you love feel filthy. I No, it makes me feel clean and wholesome that I was on your mind while you were in the shower. And with that, Greg, we had a football game, but either way, go green. It was a scrimmage. Go white. It, like calling it a scrimmage is generous. <laughs> yes. <laughs>